0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nelly. Our guest this week is Richard Wilkins, president of the American Soybean Association. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan on the web at www.goodgrowthplan.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Delaware farmer and president of the American Soybean Association, Richard Wilkins, next. Syngenta's Good Growth Plan is about the biggest challenge facing humanity, feeding a growing population. Syngenta's Good Growth Plan is a six-point commitment to make crops more efficient, to rescue more farmland, to help biodiversity flourish, to reach and empower smallholders to help people stay safe and to look after every worker throughout the entire supply chain network. One planet, six commitments. Learn more at www.goodgrowthplan.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. This week's guest is Richard Wilkins, president of the American Soybean Association. The commodity outlook for soybeans and other major row crops is for much lower prices than when the 2014 Farm Bill was being developed, Wilkins says the policy was crafted to help farmers navigate through rough financial conditions.
1: When we were working on the development of this uh, agricultural act of 2014, you know, we certainly had in mind that there was going to be ebbs and flows and, and cycles uh, in commodity prices. So, you know, we had the vision to see that those high commodity prices weren't going to be there uh, forever, and there was going to be a period of a lower price cycle. You know, we're really hoping, and we are working on making you know, sure that the, that Farm Service Agency and the USDA do administer this Title I, the ARC and PLC programs, to ensure that that each producer, no matter what county that they're farming in, are are fairly treated with the revenue protection or the price protection that they chose for their farm.
0: The administration, again, is proposing cuts to crop insurance, $18 billion is the suggestion, and some would suggest that that might uh, begin to cut into the subsidy that farmers receive when they purchase crop insurance. How would you view such a cut, and how would that affect your industry?
1: We, we cannot. That that's not, a, that's not a feasible proposal. You know, we had this discussion around the standard reinsurance agreement. We had this discussion around the Title IX of the Farm Bill as we were working on this the assurance that we were given throughout the negotiations was that by uh, agreeing to to do a paradigm shift to make a change from a from a fixed direct payment uh to more of a safety net a true safety net that kicks in when you have either a either price loss or kicks in when you have production loss so you know the 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 crop insurance uh, program is an excellent uh, public private partnership The individual farmer chooses what level of protection, the amount of risk that he can, that he can accept, manages his risk through his crop insurance policy, working with a bona fide skilled crop insurance agent to be able to choose the level of protection he needs. It's a system that's been working and we don't need to weaken that system.
0: If the price to the farmer went up for crop insurance coverage, especially at the prices now that we're seeing for commodities, could we anticipate what might happen?
1: I would anticipate seeing the growers in the areas that may not have as much variability in their yields. They could look at that and say, well, you know, with that higher premium, I'm not going to purchase the crop insurance. But that's what makes this crop insurance instrument work so well is the the mass uh, that we have in the program that are purchasing the crop insurance, that allows us to be able to spread the risk over a much larger area and a much larger number of insurance.
0: How did the ASA see the request from the cotton industry to declare cotton seed as an all seed?
1: We you know we looked, uh, we looked at that program and uh, and most every farmer in the United States that grows cotton is also a soybean farmer. So that's the way that we looked at it was. Was uh, what could we do to help our soybean farmers who also are growing cotton? We took a look at the shambles that the cotton industry is in right now, uh, with overseas production of cotton uh, cutting into, you know, building global supplies to the point where, where the price of the lint is certainly, you know, below cost of production, and we uh, we basically took a position that as long as a cottonseed oil program. Did not cut into uh, the safety net for other program crops, and that if the Secretary could determine that it was that he did have the authority and it was legal uh, to do that, uh, that we would not object to that.
0: It seems as the Secretary has suggested he doesn't have that authority, but it still seems to be bubbling in Congress.
1: Yes, there certainly are uh, are members of Congress with strong uh, cotton constituencies that are trying to figure out a way to be able to help the farmers that are really suffering dire economic uh, circumstances uh, in their regions and in their counties. You know, and, and one way that the Secretary uh, may be able to help is if commodity credit corporation authority was restored to his office. You know, he may be able to. Uh, to find another vehicle or another method of being able to give assistance to not only the regions uh, where the cotton is having problems, but also uh, where, where, where drought problems or flooding problems have occurred.
0: Richard, some of the leaders in the Congress have suggested that if the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement came for a vote today, it would not pass. Knowing that a large percentage of soybeans that are produced in the U.S. are sold to overseas markets, how important is this TPP deal, and is the ASA ready to stand up and to begin to lobby harder for this particular accord?
1: We are ready to stand up and lobby harder as soon as the U.S. Trade Representative's Office decides that the timing is appropriate to be able to introduce the enabling legislation. You know, we we realize that uh, that now is not yet the time to uh, to bring it to a vote. Unfortunately, uh, trade has become a political football in this uh, general election year. But yes, we we've come to realize we need to do a better job of spreading the word to the farmers about just how important the Trans-Pacific Partnership is. You know, TPP represents 40 percent. The member nations of the the Trans-Pacific Partnership represent 40% of the global economy. Those same TPP countries represent 42% of current United States farm exports. And what this TPP agreement will do is it will allow us to grow the overall United States exports by $123.5 billion each year. I mean, that's massive. You know, United States soy is the, is, is the global leader in agricultural trade. Soybeans are the most, uh, traded commodity, uh, in the world. And, you know, we need to, we need to let the farmers know that this is something that they need to be supporting. It really, it really is going to increase the, uh, the market access for our livestock producers, meat and poultry and therefore that's going to ha- substantially increase the domestic consumption of not just soybean meal uh, but of corn also so it's it's a good it's a good trade agreement uh, we're, we've analyzed it and think that it's that it warrants full support of every member of the agriculture industry.
0: Chief Agriculture Negotiator Darcy Vetter has suggested that there are also provisions in the TPP that might bring more uniformity in the acceptance of technologies of crops.
1: Yes, that's a major component of this trade agreement. That's been an issue that we've been struggling with, is getting getting a, a synchronous, a more predictable and uniform methodology of of getting global approval of the new technologies and the, and the modern farming practices that uh, that we know that we can employ to increase greater certainty in the, in global food security, and and yes, the TPP has addressed that by by putting together a system for collaboration and dialogue on on what's needed to be able to return to a. a predictable and uniform approval process.
0: As I recall, China's the top destination for U.S. soy. And Richard, I just want to wonder aloud, now with Kim China purchasing uh, Syngenta, uh, that country has resisted their own farmers being able to use genetically enhanced crops. Now that they'll own a company that is a leader in technology, you have to wonder if that will change their mindset. And if it does, is that a better opportunity for soybean growers here in the U.S.?
1: Well, you know, Chinese government officials have certainly been facing their own uh, challenges within their society on the uh, acceptance of GMOs for human consumption or for animal consumption. I visited China a few months ago and attended their global food security uh a conference, but I was really impressed with the number of, uh, of young people there, young agriculturalists that were really interested in learning more about how we were producing food and our farming practices because they saw a need you know they, they have twenty uh, percent of the world 's population but only twelve percent of the world 's uh, arable land uh, farmable land cropland so uh, so they, you know, they see that uh, that they are going to need to adopt uh, a technology, and even their uh, their institutes of higher learning have been working on developing that. They just need to, just like uh, just like we do here, we need to get past this uh, uh, this mythology and the untruths and mistruths that are being said about uh, genetically enhanced foods.
0: Richard, to that end, there is a question here in our country over labels on foods that contain ingredients from genetically enhanced crops. In fact, the Senate Agriculture Committee this week is set to consider food labeling legislation from Chairman Pat Roberts. How important is this legislation to the country and to soybean growers?
1: Extremely important. This is an issue that we need to find the the solution for. Uh, We need to to find the solution that's going to provide uh, consumers and customers with the amount of knowledge and transparency, clarity in the way their foods are being produced, so that they can go into the store and make their decisions on which types of food products that they wish to purchase. At the same time, though, we cannot allow we cannot allow that uh, that label uh, to uh, to to denigrate or stigmatize the uh, the the way that we are producing food today, the the modern and efficient practices that we are employing.
0: Richard, would you knowingly produce a crop that you felt was a question for the safety of consumers?
1: Absolutely not. And every time I have an opportunity to speak to non-farming people, I certainly stress to them that what uh, genetically enhanced, herbicide-resistant, insect-resistant, and more disease-tolerant crops are doing for me today is allowing me to be able to farm in a more environmentally friendly, ecological, and sustainable manner you know i've reduced the amount of sedimentation uh, uh it, you know leaving our fields reduced the amount of nutrients that are being unused by our crops reducing the number of pounds overall of pesticides that we would that we were uh, applying to our crops previously you know this is a revolution that's really enhanced the ability for us to be able to be producing more safe affordable and more nutrient dense foods to the people
0: are there any non-starters on behalf of the American Soybean Association with regard to this policy?
1: We certainly have preferred this to be voluntary, but we've come to, to realize that uh, in order to get this to the goalpost, to get this to the finish line, uh, you know, a, 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 a required label on the package. But what would we prefer would be something in the way of a QR code or an eight hundred number. And we've even proposed that we're going to invest. The grocery manufacturers and the processors are going to invest millions of dollars in being able to provide means for consumers to be able to learn everything that they want to know about what's in that package of food and how that package of food arrived to their supermarket shelf.
0: Changing subjects, Richard, you farm in the Delmarva Peninsula, and you're well familiar with federal water quality regulations and proposals. Can you begin to speculate on how the passing of Justice Scalia might affect the Obama administration's proposed rules on water and decisions that may yet come before the Supreme Court?
1: First I'll say that Justice Scalia was a great loss to our nation. He was a jurist that, that was very sounded in his, in his judgment. He, he was a staunch protector of of uh, of individual property, individual rights, civil rights, and individual property rights. His loss is 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 a great loss not only to the agriculture industry but also to America. You know there is a pending um, uh, a pending case uh, uh, against the EPA involving the uh, whether the EPA has had the authority to establish uh, total maximum daily loads for the Chesapeake Bay. We were we were anticipating uh, that to be uh, to be selected to go to the Supreme Court. That is in question now uh, with the loss of Justice Scalia. Whether whether the Supreme Court will hear that case or not. And um, uh, the the Sixth Circuit, as far as their moratorium that they've placed on the implementation or enforcement of the Waters of the United States uh, Clean Water Rule. You know, we certainly think that by the time that plays through the court system, we we are anticipating that the arguments heard in the circuit court are going to be able to to uh, uh, you know be in our favor. We we are um, uh, we are we are uh, uh, you know we have a good feeling about that. Um, but certainly, by the time that that case, if, if it does go against us, by the time that that case uh, is uh, would be uh, you know uh, appeal to the Supreme Court. Uh, we certainly would hope that, by that time they would have, uh, they would have a full court in place then a a ninth, uh, ninth justice there, and we certainly hope that that whoever gets to choose uh, or make the appointment and whoever confirms uh, this this new justice keeps in mind what 's needed for, for america is sound judgment and, and protection of our individual uh, liberties and property rights.
0: From the regulations that have been imposed in the Bay to those that are imposed through the waters of the U.S., you farm in the Bay Area. Can you say these regulations, in your opinion, have they made you a better farmer or have they slowed you from implementing voluntary practices that you already had in place?
1: What made me a better farmer was that the development of best management practices that had already taken place prior to even uh, our, our state voluntary uh, nutrient management program that, that we put in place back in 1999. We had already been, been working with our land-grant universities, our extension services, our input suppliers, and working with one another to tell each other what is working, what is giving us the most, uh, uh, most effective uh, crop production and optimized uh, production system. In some cases, maybe it has taken some of the farmers that were slower to adopt and give them an increased encouragement uh, to be able to, to adopt. But we did that through through voluntary educational measures. We don't need to stick to be you know beating somebody when they uh, when they have to do something to counteract an occurrence that was beyond their control, such as a, a, you know, a drought or a, a wet harvest that. Uh, caused them to have to to rut their fields to uh, be able to get their crop to market so that's the that's the dangers that we see in this proposed clean water rule is there's just too many uh what ifs in there that we don't have answers for
0: on the same area the epa administrator gina mccarthy was before the house agriculture committee and richard at this point they don't seem to feel that they have violated any law or rule and are acting in the best intent any comments over what you have heard from the administrator of EPA on their water quality and their water regulations that are being proposed.
1: Jeff, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apologize if I get a little bit uh, too far on one side here, but you know, when a federal agency uh, posts a proposed rule for comment and then uses their power and their wherewithal to try to influence comments towards the way that they would like to what they would like to do, That's not legal in my mind. And I think it was an extreme abuse of their power to try to, through social media, try to influence people to be able to give comments and the comments that they wanted to be given. That's just not the way our government's supposed to operate.
0: We are in a new year now, looking toward a new crop year, and your delegates and your leadership have developed a new strategic plan for the American Soybean Association. Can you give us a thumbnail of how perhaps you are streamlining your focus?
1: We are. You know, we've been for decades and decades. Uh, we've been in a, a organization that relied upon the national membership dues. You know, we've, we came to a realization that uh, that every farmer in the United States expected us to work for them, to advocate for them, to deliver good policy that helped to improve their profitability, regardless of whether they were paying dues or not. So we basically st- stood back and said, "Well, how can we uh, reduce our expenditures? Because you know, when, re- when you're reducing an expenditure in one area, that's just like creating greater revenue there. Uh, so we're going to redirect our, our focus." away from having staff that are working on recruiting members and uh, and collecting and administrating membership dues. Refocus that part of our organization towards policy and advocacy work. We're telling our state associations and our state affiliates for them to handle membership whichever way that they want. Many of our affiliates are extremely good at being able to encourage farmers uh, to become members of their state associations. We're going to allow those associations and memberships to keep their membership dues totally within their state. What we're going to ask them to do is, as a replacement to national membership dues is to pay us a, an affiliate investment fee. And that affiliate investment fee is based on how many acres of soybeans that they produce in their state. So states with more acres of soybeans will pay a larger affiliate fee, and states with smaller acres of soybeans will pay a smaller affiliate investment fee and then we're going to try to develop some uh, collaborative and cooperative partnerships to be able to find non dues paying revenue to be able to help us to do a, an even greater job and have a and have a more greater uh, presence in washington dc we're even going to move move uh, some of our staff to Washington, D.C., and, and have a greater presence there.
0: You're coming up on the Commodity Classic meeting in New Orleans.
1: Going to be the biggest ever. This, the Commodity Classic is on a trend line of growing every year. We're welcoming another partner to Commodity Classic this year, the Agricultural Equipment Manufacturers Association. This is going to be the largest trade show that we've ever had, uh, the largest uh, registration and attendance, I think, that we're ever going to have. And we're really excited that we're going to encourage farmers, if you've never come to Commodity Classic before, this is the year to come. You know, the challenges that are, that are confronted with you right now with planning for this next crop year, you need to come down and learn and, and gather as much information and learn from the experts on how you can optimize what you're doing on your farm.
0: And finally, Richard, we want to thank you for being a part of Open Mic. And it is Open Mic, and sir, you have the floor.
1: Well, certainly, Jeff, you know, we always uh, welcome the opportunity to be able to talk with our friends in the, in the, uh, in the farm media. Uh, and, you know, AgriPulse is one of the best ways of being able to distribute information, not only to the farmers and the agricultural industry, but also to that non-farming public. There's influencers and decision makers that we rely upon to do the right thing.
0: That's Richard Wilkins, president of the American Soybean Association, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Bike is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan on the web at www.goodgrowthplan.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.